This book just doesn't contain the truth. This book doesn't just contain the truth. It is truth. God doesn't mix his words. God doesn't mince his words, actually is the way the phrase is. God doesn't mess around. When God says it's this way, what is it? It's that way. If he says no, what does he mean? If he says yes, what does he mean? So we need to be those that know God's truth. How many of you want to live in the freedom that God came to give us in Christ? Well, then you need to know his truth. And where is it found? In his word. God's word is truth. I believe, I didn't plan on saying this stuff. We'll get to what we're going to look at in just a minute. i got to watch my time. One of the things at New Hope that we believe is that every word of God, everything that's in here is God-breathed. God-breathed. I've used this illustration with many, many of the kids, so pardon me, but if you blew up a balloon, you blow up a balloon, just pretend with me for a minute, blow up a balloon, right? This is a big one. All right, what color is it? All right, so use your imagination. Here's a balloon. Now, if I got up in the morning before I brush my teeth or anything and I go and blow up a balloon, what kind of breath is inside there? I'd tell you, you wouldn't want to smell it. So that comes out, stinky breath. So I take a couple of polos maybe, maybe chew some gum, and I try to make it mint or spearmint or whatever else, you know, maybe it's just coffee breath. I don't know what yours is. And you let it out. Now, what would happen if God blew up a balloon? So God blows up a balloon. What's inside? The breath of God. Remember, God speaks and everything comes into existence. Jesus in the upper room breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes. God changes the name of Abram to God's breath. So God, the Bible tells us in Peter that God breathed through holy men of God so that what you have written down for you are God's breathed words. All scripture is given by the breath of God, inspiration of God. So I believe that from Genesis 1 all the way through to Revelation 22, the last verse, and I can't remember what number it is at the minute, all, every word of God, all of it is equally inspired. Equally inspired. It was written down for you and for me. So you can come back to it. You can read it. You can close your Bible. You can open it up again. Guess what it's going to say next time you read it? The same thing. Because God does not change. His truth does not change. I know these are simple things. Forgive me. Some of you, yeah, I already know that, Pastor. Well, then why aren't you, <laughs> sorry, then why aren't you reading it? Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. He wants you to know them and to read them, to participate in them so that you may have his life filling you, overflowing. Grace comes by it. His word is powerful. When the preaching happens, yes, his word comes out, but you don't have to wait till every Sunday to hear God speaking. 
You get to go and read it for yourself. I'm telling you, your faith has to rest in what he said, not what Pastor Wade says. You say, well, why are we here then? Well, I guess in one sense, you wouldn't have to be if you knew it. But then you'd want to come and share it. You'd want to come and participate with people who also believe to stir up your faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you want your faith to grow. Get in his book. Let him speak to you. The Holy Spirit will take it. He'll apply it to directly, directly to things in your life. It's almost as if, I'm going to tell you, it's almost as if you'll be reading it, and it's almost as if like God steps off the page and whispers that particular word to your heart. It's called the Rima word. And it brings faith. It like lights you up on the inside. And you're like, wow. It brings a boldness to your step. It brings a confidence to your speech. It changes who you are. But this is his word. Not just Genesis, not just Revelation, but everything in between. We okay? I love his word. His words made me smarter than my teachers. I've spoken, I'm telling you, I've spoken in university campuses where people are getting degrees in as astrophysicists and, and quantum mechanics. And they say, well, is there a God? I said, let me tell you about him. And I've seen many come to faith by the power of his word, by the power of that gospel, which is God's power unto salvation. Amen? Amen. All right, well, take your Bibles, please, and turn with me. We're going to look at Ephesians. I want to just talk to a little bit for this morning to you about culture, about culture. We're going to read from, let me see, let me put it up here. Let me read from verse 25 of Ephesians 4, and we're going to read down to verse 7 of chapter 5. So we're just going to read this through for a minute. I just want to talk to you a little bit about culture this morning. Verse 25, it begins, it says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and what? Do not sin. So anger isn't a sin, is it? When you're angry, don't sin. It's a difference. We'll touch on that a little bit later. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give place, give tapas, give space to the devil. Let him who what? Stole. Steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary, what's that word? Edification, it means to build up. That it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. Clamor means loud quarreling. That's what clamor means. Loud quarreling. So having a, a row, <laughs> a loud row with your spouse, that's clamor. 
right? Put it away. An evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Be soft in your heart towards one another. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication, it's all sex outside of marriage between one man and one woman. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse, what's that word? You know, people tell jokes against each other that are harsh and they, they hurt. Oh, you got a big nose. You got funny ears. Dude, you look dumb. So when we say things, oh, well, just kidding. He says, these things which are not fitting, they're not fitting, they're not proper, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, listen to this, for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater, when you covet in your heart, God says it's like idolatry. You want what belongs to other people. You're setting that up above Jesus. You're, it's like idolatry. He says that no, no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. It's a good passage, isn't it? It's kind of, kind of meaty, I think. Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for the transforming power of the gospel. And I pray, Father, that you'll give grace right now, that you would edify and build up, and that, Lord, these few words would edify and help each one who has need today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Culture. We talk about our culture. Having moved across the waters to come and live in this country for, now I don't know, 20 some odd years now. When I first came, I found the culture of Wales, specifically, or Cardiff, Wales, and that's even different like from the valleys. Cardiff is, has its own kind of culture, but I found the culture here very different from mine. So coming from the States, everything's big in the States. The people are big. Some of the stomachs are big. Anyway, it's, but things are big in the States. I remember living here for a while and going back to the U.S. and walking into a big, like a big Tesco's kind of thing, and from one side of the building to the other, down one aisle was all crisps. All crisps. It's like the one down on Western Avenue or maybe Pengam Green from one side of the building to the other, one aisle. And I'm a tall guy, but these, these shelves went way up here. I got about halfway down the aisle and I'm like sensory overload. 
Because the culture of, of the U.S. is often excess. The bigger the... You've heard that phrase. So coming to this little nation of Wales, there's, there's more people in the Chicago area than they're all of all of Wales. And I come and I come to the street to cross the street. And as I cross the street, I realize I don't look that direction. I have to look that direction. Otherwise, I'm going to get smacked by a bus. And I found it different. And, and I, you go and turn on the hot and cold water. And it's on different sides. The light switches. In the States, you go up to go on, down to go off. Here, it's down to go on, up to go off. And I'm like, this is crazy. The way they do things here is different than the way I'm used to. A culture has to do with a, a, an agreement. I'll just read it for you. I looked it up. It says ideas, customs, social behavior of a particular people in society. It's the collective ethos of a group of people. In other words, there's things that we've all agreed on that these things are proper, these things are improper. And we often identify ourselves by our culture, by our heritage. So people say, well, are you American? Well, I don't know. That's where I was born. We have an international church here, many people from all over the world. It's great, many cultures, but when you put them together, what does that brew up sometimes? Differences of ideas, the way things should be done, the way things shouldn't be done. You know, I think Jesus felt that way when he came down from heaven. Because the culture of the world was very different than the culture of heaven. So when he came down as a missionary... And he came into this world, his culture that he's, guess what? There was no blasphemy in his culture. There was no complaining in his culture. There was no sarcasm or coarse jesting. There was no fornication in his culture. There was no people groping people in ways that they shouldn't. It just didn't happen. The angels weren't off in a corner making out. It didn't function that way. Praise was the culture of heaven. Thankfulness is the culture. Holiness is the culture of heaven. There was no porn in heaven. The culture was very different. In God's world, God's Kingdom is eternal. Which culture do you think is the one that's going to last? The culture of heaven. I'm going to touch on some of this for just a minute. See, because often we identify ourselves. People say, well, I'm, I'm an, maybe for me, maybe they might say, I'm an American Christian. So my culture defines my Christianity? Think about it now. Well, I'm a Welsh Christian, so my Welshness defines my Christianity. Some of you come from other places, uh, Korea, certain nations in Africa, Ghana, other places, some of you from the gypsy community, and you're like, so I'm a, a gypsy Christian. So my gypsiness, if I can put it that way, defines my 
Christianity? See, this is a challenge now. Because I'm used to thinking according to my culture. My culture tells me I can't. My culture tells me I can. My culture tells me I should. My culture tells me I shouldn't. My culture tells me this is the way things are done. And when you begin to do it contrary to your culture, what happens? You're weird. You're odd. Something's wrong with you. How do you think Jesus was perceived when he came down? The wisdom of heaven now in flesh. They thought he was out of his mind. They said, you're demon possessed. They said, you're crazy. They sent his family to go and get him at different points. Because his framework, he was living the culture of heaven on earth. That's what he taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm going to suggest something to you. As if, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're one who belongs to him, and we'll touch on this, but if you're, that your identification isn't I'm Welsh Christian or I'm American Christian, I'm African Christian, I'm, I'm whatever nationality, I'm gypsy Christian. No, I am a Christian and my nationality is maybe American. I'm Christian. My nationality may be gypsy. It might be English. God saves the English. Hallelujah. But see, what we have is that my identification can't be culturally based because my culture doesn't determine for me what's right and wrong. Heaven does. You hearing me? Because this will challenge you to the core, I tell you. There are things that you believe, things that you think, things that you've done all your life I've done it. But it's not until God's word comes to challenge you I'm going to say some of you watched your parents behave in a certain way. I was thinking about this this week, you know, about being a parent. I'm a granddad now, a grandpa. I'm, actually, I go by pop-up, thank you. And, uh, and, but you learn how to take care of your family by those who, what, came before you. Or the telly. Well, that's a good place to learn how to be a good dad, isn't it? End up like Homer Simpson or something. We learn these ideas and we pick them up from somewhere. They're not innate. We learned them from somewhere. Where's, where's the source for what you learn to do? See, we say it, everyone does it. Everyone dresses this way. Everyone dresses that way, yeah? It's okay on a Friday night. It's okay on a Saturday. You wouldn't say anything then. But you're not supposed to do that in church. <laughs> oh, I hear people say it. Oh, you know, I tell the truth. I wouldn't lie in church. Oh, you shouldn't swear in church. I'm not asking you to. But we let our culture and the formation around us squeeze us into a mold that determines for you how you're to behave. Can I say to you that's unbiblical? God desires the culture of heaven to be what you breathe. 
He wants you to be conformed to the image of Christ who walked the culture of heaven on earth. If you tell me it can't be done, I'll call you a liar. If you say it can't be done, I'll call you a liar. Why? Because Jesus came and he walked it out as a man by the power of the Holy Spirit to take the culture of heaven and to walk it out step by step by step. You know what that means? There's hope for me and you. Because that means I can live and breathe the culture of heaven on earth. It starts off with an identity change. I'm thinking of of John chapter 1. Maybe Carlos can put it up on the screen for me. John chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said he came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. But to as many as received him, to them he gave power. He gave the right to become children of God. The Bible says that you're born not of, not, of, not, of, not, of, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but you're born of God. Go back, go back one verse if you can there. And the, no, that's not right, hang on. Maybe it's the next verse then. Chapter 1, verse 12. There you go. But to as many as what? Receive Jesus to them. Please hear me, not everybody. Let me pause here. Not everybody's a child of God. Maybe you were taught differently. Maybe you were told everyone's a child of God. No, everyone's a creation of God. Fearfully, wonderfully made. Absolute intrinsic value stamped on them because they were made in the image of the Creator. But we're fallen. That relationship was lost that Adam had. Remember, he hid in the bushes, hiding from God. Because sin had come into the world. Death and sin brought destruction for all of humanity. So we're born in the image of Adam. So we both the image of God broken and messed up. And we're born in the image of Adam without that relationship. So we're still God's creation, fearfully and wonderfully made. But we're not children of God. To be a child of someone, you have to be born of someone. I watch my kids. And I'm sure you know them. Naomi, she's one of them. Poor girl. She's Nathaniel and Grace. And, and, and I remember when Nathaniel would sit on my lap as a little boy, we'd sit there on the couch together, and he'd, he'd come, he'd sit on my lap, and he'd take my hand, and he'd put it next to his. And his thumb and my thumb look almost exactly the same. He's just got a little aversion than the one I did when he was a little boy. Now, why does he have that? I know this is simple. Forgive me. Why does he have an identical-looking thumb like I do. Be simple, come on. We don't know biology. My goodness. Because the genetics that flow through me are flowing where? In him. So if he walked around as a little boy, could you imagine it? He walks around, even Grace, I mean, she was doing this, but maybe he walked around as a little boy acting like a chicken. A little while, people might laugh a little bit, but after a while, what would they say? Boy needs help. Something wrong with him. But if Nathaniel was a little boy, walks around and, and would quote Bible verses or preach the gospel or do something like that, Grace in the bathtub when she was a little girl had her Barbie dolls and whatever. She'd do baptism services while she's having a bath. <laughs> and you say, well, that makes sense that they do that because they're, they're acting like they're 
So Jesus tells us, let your good works so shine before men so that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. So in other words, when you're born of God, his spiritual DNA, I suppose you could say, his spiritual DNA flows in you, your identity changes. You go from being a sinner to a saint. You go from being in darkness, darkness itself, and becoming light in the Lord. You go from being separated from God to being one who now belongs to God. You go from being in a kingdom that that is separated and dark, and he brings you and reconciles you. You go from being an enemy to a friend, and he redeems you through the blood of Jesus and makes you alive by his spirit and now makes you a child of God. He gives you power and the authority, the working of God in you through the power of the gospel to make you his child so that his spiritual DNA could flow through you. So when you say to me, well, I wish I could act like Jesus, (laughs) he just wants you to walk like it. Don't act, (laughs) just don't pretend, just be real. But that same power that raised Jesus from the dead comes and flows through you. You you die with him and you're risen in newness of life. So Jesus is your Lord and master. Sin is cut off like a branch. Its root pulled up. You died. And he raised you to life in him. Your identity changed. Listen to me. So that heaven would become your culture from the inside out. You would metamorpho. <laughs> you would be transformed like a little caterpillar that crawls along and in the season where it goes and it spins that little web, that cocoon around itself. And as it is in there, there's a transformation that takes place. So in the right season, it opens up. And it's no longer a little kind of creepy, crawly thing. Now it's something that has wings. And the beauty of its genetics shine on its wings. And and now it begins to fly. It doesn't have to crawl anymore. And that's the word metamorpho, the metamorphosis that happens by the work of Christ in you so that you can walk the culture of heaven on earth. What would happen if you get a group of people who live in the culture of heaven? You know what they call that? Revival. And I see it in many of you. I've seen the transformation. I've seen God working in you. I've seen you cross over from darkness to light. Some of you demon-possessed and now free where the Spirit of God lives in you now and no longer that unclean spirit. But there's a number of things that sometimes, we know it's right when we read it, we know it's right when we hear it, but but sometimes we need the Spirit of God working inside me and the truth of God pressing in on me on the outside. It's almost like God wants to squeeze you into the mold of Christ. So we're going to pick up a couple of the things here about the culture of heaven, what the culture of heaven looks like. I only got about 10 minutes. (laughs) But let's pull them out here. 
There's about six of them, I believe. It might be seven, depending on how you divide up that quick passage here. Therefore, put away, we're going to go back to that verse there, Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, put away what? Lying. The culture of the world is to tell what? We know it every time, all the time. You know, the check's in the mail. Oh, I thought I paid that. Oh, officer, I didn't know I was going over the speed limit. Where were you last night? Oh, I was at a mate's house, honey. Lying is normal. Because the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, he's the father of lies, and so he's at work in those sons of disobedience. So lying is a normal, normal language for the world. When you tell the truth, they don't even believe you. Because why? Everybody lies. But for you, in the culture of heaven, he says, put away what? Lying. So stop it. See, the kingdom of God has come to your heart. The spirit of God is the spirit of truth living in you. So if, 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 if out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart is speaking, what's going to come out of your mouth? Truth. Tell the truth. Speak the truth. Stop lying. Don't lie to one another. We belong to each other. How many of you guys like being lied to? No? Why would you do it to anyone else? I have to say, telling the truth isn't always easy. My wife asked me, does, does this look good on me? So take me shopping, you know why? Ask her. Pastor Claire, why do you take me shopping? I'm the right. Oh, right. <laughs> why would I want her to look bad? So that her approval, my approval rating goes up. Speak the truth to one another. Now that's an easy one, that's a simple one. The devil lies. Whose father is your father? Does God tell lies? He wants you to be like him. <laughs> so you speak what? Truth. Oh, it gets a bit deeper than that, doesn't it? How are you doing today? Fine. <laughs> I'm not saying you need to expose dirty laundry to everybody. But when there are those who are in your life and care for you and you pretend everything's okay, it's deceit. When, when grace can come, help can come, counsel may come. Maybe it's just encouragement is what you need. But stop lying and speak the truth. The truth sets you free. It also sets others So the culture of New Hope Community Church ought to be what? Truth. You speak the truth. I remember going many years ago, I'm spending a little bit of time on this one, but I remember going to a pastor once when I was young, a younger believer, and I was really struggling, and I, I said, uh, I, I just, I need some help. He says, well, brother, you need to find someone who loves you enough to tell you the truth. I thought, I thought that's why I was here. 
Finding people that will speak truth into your life is extremely valuable. Please hear me. Having people who will be really honest with you. If you have prophetic ministry in this house, don't tell lies to people. If you don't see or hear anything, just bless them. Don't make up junk and speak lies. Don't speak out of the imagination of your own heart. Speak the truth. Fair enough? This is good. This is beneficial for us to be those who speak truth and no longer tell lies. That's number one. Number two is anger and do not sin. How you handle when you get upset about things. I remember having a, a friend of mine say this to me. He was an older man in the faith. He said, if you ever lose your temper, make sure no one finds it. Well, that was good counsel. Be angry and don't sin. See, a lot of our anger is selfishly motivated, but I'm telling you, anger is not a bad thing necessarily because it'll motivate you to get something done. You ever sat on your keister and you're sitting there and you're just like, oh, I'm upset about this, but you just sit there and rage about it? Anger's supposed to motivate you to get something done that's productive. How about this? God gets angry. Jesus got angry. He went into that temple and he turned over those tables. He didn't turn over the people, mind you. He turned over the tables, though. Don't let the sun go down on your anger either. So don't hide it in your heart. And you know what happens. You go to bed at night and you're like. <laughs> and you get up in the morning, you forgot about it until the next argument comes. And then what happens? Now you got a double portion. And then it turns out in wrath, clamor, evil speaking. Which shouldn't even be named among us. quiet in here my guess is that the holy spirit saying to you listen i want to produce the culture of heaven in you. so you need to let that stuff go be angry and don't sin and, and he says there's a danger with that because it gives space to the devil it gives a landing strip for the evil one to have a go at you and in you Unforgiveness, it's a later one, but it, with that anger and the bitterness and the, 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 the clamor, the, the it all comes together. And that produces like a landing strip where the enemy says, oh, I've got him now. And he'll influence your thinking. You might wake up on Sunday morning and you've been angry at so-and-so all week long or maybe something happened and it's just kind of grown in your heart. You'll get to Sunday, oh, I don't want to go there. No one likes me anyway. And the devil will say, oh, I got him. I remember I heard that one. The guy woke up Sunday morning and said to his wife, I don't want to go to church today. I said, why? I said, well, Think they're tired of me there. They don't like me there. I said, honey, they love you. They like you. Why, why do you think? No, I, I just don't think they like me. She goes, honey, you've got to go. He goes, no, I don't really feel like going today. It's just, it was in his heart. 
And she says, honey, you've got to go. He says, why do I have to go? She goes, you're the pastor. <laughs> you can't keep it in the heart. You've got to let it go, isn't it? So God deals with things and lets it go. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He doesn't bring it up again. He's not constantly beating you about it. Some of you have got a bad past like me. God's not standing there going, well, I remember what you were. You made him angry. Yeah, you did. Some of that stuff you did was horrendous. But that anger was spent at the cross when Jesus took the brunt of, your ang- of his anger his wrath towards you, willingly taking it in your place so there could be no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. So the culture of heaven is, there isn't just this atmosphere where everyone's angry. The prayer team was praying on Friday, the prayer meeting here, and they said they came in and there was a weird atmosphere in here, they said. It was like a, one of division, and they're like saying to each other, well, this is weird. Because why? The culture here is not division. <laughs> it's the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so they're like, this is wrong. So they start praying together and that thing had to go. I'd be thankful if I were you because if they hadn't, you might have come in today and if you're walking in the flesh or according to it, you'd be like, mm. It's a spiritual battle out there. Is this making sense? You guys are really quiet today. Culture of heaven. It said, let him who stole, steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. That's a huge one. In our day, thieving is normal. When I did training in security work, They told me eight in 10 people will steal. I didn't believe them. After 10 years of doing security, you bet you I believed them. In certain places in the UK, it was probably higher than that. People coming in, ladies coming in in their prams, nice, you know, these nice dressed ladies, and they're like, oh, da, da, da. And they're shoving like steaks and um, other things underneath the pram. And when they go to leave, the beep, 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 beep goes off. Oh, I'd never steal with my kids. You know how many times I heard that? Thieving. And I'll tell you, there are people who they say, oh, I'm a Christian, I wouldn't steal. And what's that? I'll tell you, there are people who come in here, because I did 10 years security in Tesco St. Mellon's. Some of y'all I busted but that's not who you are anymore. You came to faith in Christ, and so stealing isn't part of your framework anymore. Now, please hear me. It's not just the getting rid of the negative. Well, I don't steal anymore. Well, I don't tell lies anymore. I just don't say much. I don't steal anymore. Um, But that isn't where it stops, is it? It says, then let that man, let that person stop stealing, steal no longer. Let them work with their hands what is good. Now, i got to preface this. It's, it's working what is good. I mean, I've had people come to church here, and in their attic, they had um, a marijuana farm. 
I don't want that money. I'm telling you, God won't approve of it. I'm telling you. You think that my dealing drugs or my this, my thieving, my stealing, well, I'll just still give 10% to God. You've got to be kidding. You know why God says don't steal? He's not a thief. In fact, he says, he actually says in his word, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because that's his nature. He needs nothing. He doesn't need air to breathe. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your praise. He's glorious in his own person. But when he gives, he gives out of his own self to you and to me graciously. He's the God of all grace. Undeserved. I don't deserve his blessing. Never have, never will. Even if I'm obedient, my past disqualified me a long time ago. That's why I need Christ. But when you're in him... Well, you stop stealing, and then you work with your hands. Some of you have your own business frameworks. I'm going to step back here in case someone throws something. Can I tell you, do it right. I'm going to, I got to hit it. I, I can't help it. Guys, if you're collecting scrap, pay your tax. I know it's hard. I know it's hard but you're not a thief anymore. If you don't know what to do, come talk to Pastor Claire and myself. We'll, we'll do our best to help you every way we can. But if you're doing jobs, you know what they say, cash in, who are you stealing from? Well, God says pay your tax. It's in the Bible. Just saying. I know that's awkward. I can feel it. You know, say that, you know, I know that there's frameworks and use every liberty that the government gives you, every loophole that they provide, absolutely. But work what's good. Yeah, not extorting money from people, not lying, not, don't go and steal someone's scrap. Pay people honestly if they work with you. Some, some weeks ago we had that word the Lord gave us about uh, that copper serpent and the, the cocaine, and then defrauding workers' wages was the phrase that he gave me. If you've got people working for you and working with you, don't, don't rip them off. Don't promise to pay something and not pay it. That's stealing. These are simple things, but we work the culture of heaven. When God gives his word, he keeps it. He doesn't defraud you. He doesn't promise, I'm making you think that if you really follow, you really do this and I'm gonna do that and you do it and he's like, ha ha. He's not like that. So we ought not to be like that. I know I'm hitting things, I know. Listen, I love you. If you've been here long enough, you know that. I want you to be men and women of God that can shine in the midst of this generation. In your culture, you're shining the culture of heaven because it'll make an impact and those around you can see the difference in you because you're not like the way you used to be. You're not like the way the world is. They just, you just remind them just a little bit of Jesus and to live in that way. To work with your own hands, not so that you can get more and more stuff, but so that you can what? Give to those who have need. 
You know, we have all sorts of people in our group here. Some of you all come and you're, you put, I'm gonna, you're gonna pretend everything's fine. You pretend all the bills are paid and there's no stress and you don't want anyone to know. Don't be proud, please. And you may have, may have done some extra work last week or the week before and you got a couple of quid extra and you're praying, Lord, who can I give this to? telling you, I'm not asking you for your money for here. I'm saying you look around to those that are in need around you. You've already given what belongs to God. That's not the issue. But you're, you're taking what, what, what you, this little extra and, and the, your first thought is, well, that's for me. Be careful. Maybe God has, wants you to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. The world lives in this way that I earn and I always spend. I earn here and I always spend here. That's the way they get you. So you're constantly trying to catch up. You're always in debt. But God doesn't want you in that capacity. Do you need that like 87 inch screen? I'm just saying to work with your hands, what's good so that you can give to those that are in need. But you gotta open your eyes around you. Open your ears in the Lord. Because there's people around us that it needs. And then your family. If you're a believer in your family, men especially, and you don't provide for the needs of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. You're worse than an unbeliever is what scripture says. Because they don't know the truth. They're still in darkness. You do and still don't do it. See, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is the culture of heaven made flesh in Christ and then in you. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the ears. You notice how many of these verses talk about what comes out of your... Do you know how big of a tool you've got here? I know many of you are like in the prophetic, and that's wonderful. Hallelujah for that. We need more, Lord. But could you imagine if, if, if God, like he did for Samuel, we'll hear about him, God upheld every word he spoke. Could you imagine if he said, you stupid idiot? God said, okay. Don't let corrupt things come out of your mouth. What does that person need to build them up? Might take some thought, take some prayer. And Lord, I need a word of wisdom. How can I speak to this person to help them? Oh, the Holy Spirit's really good at giving wisdom in times of need. He's really good when we ask and go before God and say, I need wisdom. I need to understand. Do you know that your words can actually give grace? It gives enabling, God's enabling. Like if you could take a package of the power, influence, and enabling of God and put it in a box and go, here, here's a word for you. Boom. And that your words carry grace so that as you give it to that person, they're like, wow, that was encouraging. That was amazing. Or the correction, you're like, ooh, I know that. I don't need to do that anymore. And it brings transformation. 
not quarreling, backbiting, an outburst of wrath, not shouting at each other. Because if you do it, you'll grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. And lastly, as I finish, be tenderhearted. Because I know you're trying to get it right. I know you're trying to walk it through. You're wanting the grace of God and you're going before the throne of grace in prayer, asking for mercy and grace in times of need. It was at Hebrews 4, 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace so we can receive mercy and grace. Because I know God's at work in you and you're trying to work this stuff out. But how about this? Not everybody's where you're at. You might be like, dude, I got this, man. I'm doing really well. Praise God. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe the guy next to you isn't. Maybe they say something that they shouldn't. Maybe they behave in a way towards you that they shouldn't. So he says, be tender-hearted and forgive. Be tender-hearted and forgive. I need to say this. Gossip is illegal in the kingdom of God. Standing around talking about someone else's issues when you guys are just sitting there talking about it, that's illegal in the kingdom of God. That should not come out of your mouth. You need to repent. There are certain cultures where everyone's, no one's afraid to share anything because they're afraid if they do, it's going to spread all over the place. The reason you think that way is probably because you do it. But that's illegal in the kingdom. But if you find out it's happening, what should you do? Be bitter and anger? A sun go down on it? No, what do you do? Well, forgiveness works two ways. So if I do something against Naomi... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Now I'm wrong. What do I need to do? Naomi, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for... N- not, not this. Well, if I've done anything that was been wrong against you, will you forgive me? Because that's not admitting anything. Uh, will you forgive me for this? And our response is to be what? Yes, I forgive you. Then pray with each other. Pray with each other. Bless each other. We're in this together, guys. This is the family. What The culture of heaven manifest on earth. That is revival. So we've been praying for, isn't it? We're seeking God for to move among us in power. So forgive one another. And to what capacity? Well, how about just starting with the way Jesus forgave you? How big was your debt? If you could stick it in a bag, how big would your bag be? (laughs) I'd need a truckload. So forgive one another. (laughs) Be tenderhearted towards each other. Forgive one another. Just as God in Christ forgave you, he was willing to go to the cross for you and bear what was wrong. What you did was awful. See, that's not very nice, Pastor. Listen, it was so bad that the only way it could be cleansed is Jesus had to take the death penalty on your behalf. Level ground at the cross, we're all standing there outside of Christ. We all need that blood to wash us clean. So there's no point in the finger. (laughs) Well, you're worse than I am, or you're better than I am. That doesn't even play anywhere. 
come. And that blood washes us clean. He declares us accepted in his sight through faith in him. Justified. So we want to walk that out. We want to walk with a heart that's tender and forgiving. That's what heaven's like. One sinner who repents and they're partying. All heaven rejoices. There's no stinginess. There's no, well, you got to prove it out. It's just over in abundance. Grace. Where sin abounds, grace hyperabounds. That's the culture of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we just bow before you today. Lord, and acknowledge that there are still areas that you need to take care of. There's grace that I need, we need, so that we can walk consistency, consistently with the culture of heaven. To walk in agreement with you, to walk by the power of your spirit, that the fruit of Christ would be seen in each one of us. Lord, we want the culture of heaven here. We want truth to reign. We want forgiveness to be our attitudes towards one another. We want love and fellowship. We can trust the words that come out of each other's mouth. But we know that we're not holding grudges and we let things go. We share what we have with those around us that have need. And Lord, you use us to glorify your name. Thank you for the transformation that happens in coming to Christ. Lord, we pray that you would cause us to grow up into Christ who is our head. And we do that together. We just ask your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.